0: Everyone, and welcome to another and special edition because it's a massive win for the tune for the tune under podcast, right here from the deep part of the southern hemisphere, coming at you from Australia. I've got Mark with me and I've got Keegan to celebrate the massive win in the capital for Newcastle. We absolutely demolished West Ham 5 1 in what, to be honest, didn't seem a game that was going to go that way at one point, but you know, thankfully it did. Um, but yeah, I'll just jump share with you, Mark. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really well. Um, nothing like a win uh, to celebrate when you have to get up really stupidly early in the morning to watch it, and then uh, work productivity may drop off. It has to be said. Um, but uh, but yeah, well well worth it for the day. Absolutely buzzing after a,
0: after a result like that. And how was uh, your morning, afternoon, and evening, Keegan?
2: Uh, it was alright, yeah, obviously suffering from a bit of kidney failure, so um, I do look a bit coloured if you're watching on YouTube, but apart from the kidneys, it was a great day, yeah.
0: you got to stay off the beers, mate. I know it was yeah, a good win, but come on.
2: Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> two wins like that, it's hard to keep off it.
0: It is indeed, but now it was a pretty uh, emphatic win uh, once that final whistle went. We'll get in all the nitty-gritty details of it as we go through, but I just want a quick mention to anybody, if you don't already subscribe to our YouTube channel please do so, give this video a thumbs up as well. It really helps us get bigger and better guests on, and it also helps us reach uh, further and uh, better viewers out there as well. Uh, We're also on all the audio platforms, so if you're on Spotify, Apple Music, the like, again, give us a thumbs up on that one, Uh, give us a review, five star. Again, helps us just spread the word and get our name out there as well. So, we're gonna jump straight into this, and Mark, you've got an event coming up very shortly, Uh, for the Aston Villa game. I'll let you just, let people know about that before we actually go straight into the, the review of the game.
1: Yeah. So uh, coming up every now and again, um, obviously because normal kickoffs are always at stupid o'clock in the morning. um, We, we have a very, seldom luxury of having a lunchtime kickoff um, which ends up at a reasonable time on a Saturday night for us which is great Um, so the Aston Villa I think is the first game that we've had as a lunchtime kickoff since potentially the Bournemouth game um, when the well, the Bournemouth game was a was a later kickoff I believe but um look we we are planning on having a, a bit of a get-together I think it was about 21 people signed up to come and watch it with us um, another kind of 15 or so on standby the maybes and stuff through our Facebook group A few of the tune under pod people are going to be there so that's going to be quite good um but yeah so look it's a 9 30 kickoff in brisbane um we're going to meet at the pig and whistle um probably start catching up maybe about 8 eight thirty. 30 um sort of secure our tables uh hopefully there won't be too many villa fans there to to banter with but uh, a little bit will be will be quite nice so uh yeah so um anyone who's in in brisbane um uh hit us up on the the uh, tune under brisbane um Uh, facebook page uh you can get all the details there otherwise if you've already signed up we'll uh we'll catch you there there will be loads of other events around australia for this i imagine um if you get stuck for any ideas of where to go um there will be specific pubs um so the the pig and whistle riverside in brisbane uh, city center um just on the on the shore on on the, the the riverside um which is which? Is quite a decent venue. We'll be outside, so there'll be lots of singing, lots of lots of noise. Um, they'll be meeting up at the Sherlock in Melbourne. Um, so hit up Aussie mags for that, and uh, there will be um, there will be meetups in Brisbane and hopefully Perth. Uh, there's a few few groups starting to get together now. So uh, get along, support us with uh, with some fellow mags. Uh, have a bit of a sing song, and uh, usually it, it ends up in a bit of a drunken night with uh, with uh, not not very. Uh, not very lively voices the next day shall we say <laughs> so it's, it's always good fun so hopefully we'll see everyone there
0: you know you have had a good night if you've got no voice the following morning um but yeah so we're gonna crack straight on with uh, the review right now so we're gonna go straight into the lineups uh with villa being the home team we'll get through them first and i'll just always. read through the scott 11 West uh, there who did I say Villa? <laughs> Villa. Same Villa, colours, okay. but different, yeah. yeah. West Ham. Not, well, we've got the same colour strip. So hey ho, yeah. right? We'll go with that one. Um, so it's West Ham starting eleven that I'm reading out here. Uh so we've got a uh, flappy in goal, uh care I think that's how it's pronounced on that one. Uh good or uh Kurt the Cat Kicker Zuma, Emerson meow. Declan. <laughs> I like Uncle Ben's Race, Suchek. Paqueta, or did anyone see the, the highlights on the Newcastle YouTube channel of how uh, Ray, Matthew Raisbeck pronounced Paqueta?
2: Pacatar or something? yeah. I've never heard anyone pronounce
0: it that way before, but uh, pa- Jared Bell, Michael Antonio, and Ben Rama. Now, that's starting 11. I'll come first to you, Keegan. Uh, uh, those 11 in there, is there anybody that automatically screams at you that could be a danger man for this game at all
2: pacata <laughs> nah, nah. um bowen i bowen's bowen's always i've always rated bowen um probably I, I maybe because we were linked with him and i think we were right in for him but um decided not to spend the money for some strange reason i, I don't know why but um yes yeah, so i don't know why i've always followed him thinking what what might have been if he played for us and he has he has been playing okay this season. He actually played pretty good last year as well. So I know, uh, obviously, Antonio probably had a point to prove with um, him and his mate Cal with their podcast and things like that. But, yeah, Bowen Bowen was sort of the main man. And also Rice, uh, he was probably one of the best players we'd seen at St. James's Park this year from an opposition point of view. So, obviously, he was going to be a bit of a, a – not a danger man, but the threat of him controlling the game like he did when we played him last time was was real.
0: Yeah, anyone in uh, that team apart from mentioned that uh, stand out for you, Mark?
1: No, I, I just think they're they're actually a decent side on paper. Uh, I think they've spent a lot of money, uh, maybe overpaid for a couple of the players just to get hold of them, um, and that's that's another another discussion for another day, I guess. But you know, look, they've they've got some good quality, um, and I don't think they should be where they are in the league. Um, we'll we'll touch on that because I have I have my own personal in- issues with. Uh, uh, with with Moyes anyway, in terms of his Everton days, doing the exact same thing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, but now look, as I said, look, they're they're a good good team on paper. Um, certainly, I was worried going into this that it might be a lot tougher than it ended up being. So yeah,
0: yep. Uh We'll move on to uh, the Newcastle lineup now, and as per usual, uh, Nick Pope in goal and a back four of Trippier, Shaw, Botman, and Byrne. Uh, midfield, we've got Bruno Longstaff and Big Joe. And up top, Jacob Murphy, Alan and maxman and Callum Wilson. Now, two names dropped out of uh, the win against Man United, uh, which was Big Dog Isak and also Joe Willock. Now, Joe Willock did pick up a knock in the uh, Man United game. He did go off, I think, he was holding his hamstring or uh, maybe his groin area. not 100% sure. So I think it was maybe expected he would drop out. But did you expect Wilson to take Isak's uh, starting lineup in that one, Mark?
1: Uh, first, firstly, for Willock, I didn't quite get why he wasn't out of the squad entirely if there was an injury cloud over him. Um, that that seemed a little bit weird to me. But as expected, I think he was he was the one that was going to go out, and the obvious thing on paper was to to throw Joe Linton back in. Um, it was it was, it was a no-brainer decision. Um, yeah, look, I think given how Isak's played recently and how well he's done and how good the team seems to revolve around him, um, his his entire game seems just ideally suited for the way we play. So, you know, given Eddie Howe's previous in terms of sticking with players who have worked their ass off and... Um, they've they've kind of deserved their, their place back in the side and to keep to keep their place. A little bit of a strange decision, but look, if I'm honest, I thought Isak was pretty much spent when he came off against Man United. I think he'd given everything. Um, I think the tank was empty. And, you know, look, Wilson's got an absolutely fantastic record against West Ham. I think if they're both fit and Eddie Howe was was interviewed before the game saying that Wilson was um, was training really well and he looked really fit and raring to go. So, look, we've got loads of game in games in really quick succession, so it makes sense to kind of do a bit of rotation to keep things fresh. And I think those players, like, you know, given, given Willick's potential um, sort of fitness doubts and the fact that Isak did give everything, um, keep him fresh for the next game, I think it's a really good move. And as it turns out, it paid off really well.
0: Uh, Keegan, I'll come to you on this one. Do you think it was more to do with squad rotation in the fact we've got three away games on the bounce in the space of, I think it's seven days, uh, eight days, whatever it may be. And do you think squad rotation is something that we will see in the next game uh, coming at the weekend?
2: Uh, I'll answer your second one first. I think we will rotate again for the weekend, just given the short turnaround. And, the intensity of the games that we've played, I know, I know the first half was a, a bit of a shit fight, but we sort of got it back on our terms for the second half. But I, I think we we spoke about this in January when um when our friend Aaron Gordon signed. I meant to say Aaron Gordon <laughs> before you go. Um, that if that he was going to be the the only um the only inclusion into the squad, we we probably needed to start rotating guys and make sort of competition for spots and sort of generate that, not the enthusiasm, but that competition for places internally rather than just picking the same guys every week and the same guys start getting a little bit disillusioned if they're not playing. So now, I mean, Jacob Murphy's obviously taking his chance with with Miggy. I know Miggy come on and scored, but he, he played that game and he, he deserved his chance. And now, well, if you look at that bench with, I mean, Gordon, Target's, probably got a case after Dan Byrne played pissed for most of the game this morning that maybe maybe he might get the start against Brentford, and then he's still got Isak and, and Willock Anderson done nothing wrong, especially in that forest second half. He was, he was unlucky. So there is that depth there, and it's all coming together, I think, at the right time of the year.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of depth, I'm just going to run through the bench for uh, again those that are listening on the audio. So we've got a uh, Debravka in goal, Lascelles, Gordon, Richie, Target, Isak, Mankeo, Willick, and Anderson. There's only really Miggy off that from being probably our strongest bench at field. Would mm. you agree with that one, Mark?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's it's nice looking at that. We've got players back fit, and we've actually got options on the bench like that can affect games and not feel like it. Well, we either have to maintain it and hope that players can finish the game, off or we've got to like you know take a hit and and maybe put a lesser player on the pitch. um Everyone's fighting for positions at the moment. Everyone's fighting to be included in uh in in next season i guess you would say i mean everyone knows that there's going to be some new additions and so everyone's making sure that they're they're staking their claim to still be still be around for the for the next campaign and it's it's producing some fantastic results but what's really surprising me is how well everyone's taking that as well so yeah well we've got some we've got some great options on that bench now that that can really kind of um really pushes forward. And, and this rotation that we've talked about is is something that I think if we can manage that properly, then it, it's a huge boost for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've talked about squad death a number of times on uh, this podcast. And there's times when we'd look at the bench and we've got Matt Ritchie, Paul Dummett, uh, anything. Well, there's just not much on there and there's no, nobody on there that can really influence the game. But we'll get on to that as we go through uh, this review for players that did influence the game when they did come on in the second half just gonna move that slide there um so the game kicked off for us at 5 a.m here in queensland are pretty much on the entire east coast now as everybody's now on real australian time which i know keegan's not a big fan of yeah that would have uh, been like, a seven How is that coming for you now then, mate, huh?
2: no no i've got daylight savings lag it's like the same as jet lag but look you just wake up an hour earlier than what you normally normally and um you go to bed an hour later than what you normally do. So it has sort of stuffed me around a bit. It's like the seven o'clock kickoff it normally was a perfect or oh, six o'clock, perfect time. Like watch it all then go to work. But I suppose now we get the nine thirty kickoffs back again. It's not as joyful as what it would be in Perth watching a seven thirty on a Saturday mm-hmm. night watching Newcastle kickoff. That'd be a dream. But mm-hmm. um yeah, it swings and roundabouts, doesn't it?
0: It is, yeah. I mean, like I say, five o'clock kickoff. Uh, I don't know if either of you two went back to bed after that game. I know I didn't. I Not was up until about four no, thirty. Not a chance. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, uh, it is now ne- nearly approaching uh, nine p.m. here, and we've already been up for close to fifteen hours or whatever it may be. So we're all a little bit exhausted. So I do apologise if there's any slip-ups on this one, but it was well worth it. Um. So game kicks off. High level of intensity. Uh, from West Ham. Funny enough. Uh, they started very much on the front foot and within two minutes the balls crashing off the upright from bruno as he tries to get the block in and then he puts it into the back of his own net um that run of play at the first opening four or five minutes or so did that have either of you worried i'll come to you first on that one keegan
2: um a little bit yeah like it, it was like, the facts are it was nearly a must win game for them, given the the situation that they're in and, and they're playing at home. Like, the stakes were high for them, and I fully expected them to come out like they did and come out hot and try and take it to us and, and see if we could match their intensity. Um, Yeah, unfortunately for them, it turned to shit pretty quick, didn't
0: it? <laughs> it really did. Because uh, <laughs> within a minute from there, we get a corner on the far side, which... Uh, It was initially cleared by, I think it was Kurt Zouma, but it falls to Maxi on the edge of the box. There's a little bit of a step over, beats his man, dinks it in Callum Wilson. And as per usual, he gets his goal against West Ham and celebrates with a Macarena as promised on his podcast with uh, Antonio. What did you think of the reaction to that opening five minutes, Mark? And how well taken was Wilson's goal?
1: I think it's very easy if you're put under that much pressure that soon in the conditions that they were, because it was pissing down with rain at the time um, early on in the game. So it would have been really easy to kind of try to sit back and absorb pressure and say, look, we're the away team, let's try and see this bit of pressure out. But they didn't. They went straight on the attack. Um, they've, They've pushed West Ham back into their own half, won a corner um and then yeah just like pressured all of the players to win the ball back and you know max maxi as much as he's had critics and i've been one of them of his recent performances the last two games he's actually been really good like and maybe like really good like and he was outstanding against west ham um, he was putting some good balls in the box, and his little little step over, and you know we expect a little bit of that, a little bit of showboating from him, um, a little bit of sort of trying to dribble past three or four players, and sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't. But his ball in was absolutely pinpoint, and we can we can sit here and we can we can complain about West Ham's defending all day. I mean, and it was shocking. I mean, that, how you leave Callum Wilson that open inside the box is just anybody's guess because it's like you know you're struggling you know get tight it's the the early early stages it's just on a corner it's not like it's out from open play and they've they've like been been cut apart but you know you've got to be tighter to like the main forward who has an outstanding record against you you've got to do Mm -hmm. better um but having said all that maxi couldn't have put the ball any better Um, than where he did. It was like pinpoint accurate, straight onto Wilson's head. He didn't even have to do much with it. He just deflected it off into the corner. Um, Absolutely stunning goal, really good finish, really good confidence boost for Wilson, given his recent dip in form as well. Um, And an absolute fantastic response to the way West Ham started the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The conditions certainly weren't happening because, like I mentioned, it was absolutely bouncing down. Uh, so the ball was skin around the surface a few times. There was a, a few early, ch- I, don't, I don't want to say challenges, but the ref was blowing his whistle quite early, uh, maybe trying to stamp his authority. And again, conditions wouldn't be hot with those free kicks or anything. But West Ham, they tried to push forward again. Uh, it was a bit of to and fro, uh, getting backwards and forwards. And then on the 13th minute, a little bit of play uh, from our back line falls back to Fabian Shaw and he splits the West Ham team the entire team right down the middle with the best through ball I've probably seen all season uh, straight to Joel Linton Joel Linton rounds the keeper uh, makes it 2-0 but then there's a VAR check your first thoughts on the onside offside Keegan did you think he was on or off
2: No, I thought he was off 100% off you can I think when you don't know you sort of the player's reaction sometimes you sort of base your opinion on the, on what they do and, and Big Joe was, I think he thought he was off as well. He, he didn't celebrate. He sort of a quick glance over to the lino and oh yeah, fair enough. And then, yeah, as soon as the replay sort of got shown, I think we all went, hang on a sec, he's on here. Mm-hmm. And I think we do, I think not just us, but, but fans in general tend to criticize the linesman for being so late, putting his flag up and stuff like that. But, that's the reason why they don't to let these things play out, and then, well, if it's an offside, we can go back and, and check it later. But if he puts his flag up straight away, like we're robbed of a we're robbed of a goal basically, because that's what happens. So credit to the linesman for um for implementing the rules. We don't really give the referees much praise, but I, I actually thought he refereed the game pretty well. The uh, the ref we had, I know, like you said, the conditions made it hard, and I think. That's probably the way to go with them things is you rather over it early and hopefully it um, sort of times down a little bit rather than let everything go and then try and pick it up when you've sort of already lost control of the game. So shout out if the ref's listening to our podcast. Good on I can't remember your name, mate, but uh, good on you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, when the ball... Was fed through from Shawmock. Were you thinking, please don't let be anyone but Big Joe? because obviously we know he, uh, nickname I think you coined for him was Jigsaw Joe. Jigsaw Joe falls to pieces uh, in the
1: box You'd know yeah.
0: <laughs> you want Wilson on the end of that any day of the week, but yeah, he, he took that goal with uh, quite a plum and he got his just rewards.
1: Yeah, look, Joe, Joe Linton's always going to have this little scar in the back of my mind from when he managed to like kick the ball into his own head from <laughs> from inside the box, and I've still yet to figure out how you even managed to do that, let alone like the fact that he did it. So, look, he's he's been outstanding for us since since Howe took over um, and his newfound role in midfield. So, yeah, thank you, Kieran Clark again, um, but look he's he's just like this beast in midfield but he bombs forward enough and he's controlling the ball and he's got some pace about him but he's still not the one that you want on the end of like through balls like that and and it's maybe maybe he has found his touch maybe he's found his confidence and we it'll take us a little while to adjust to the fact that he is capable of scoring these, these one-on-one chances, but you know, look, he, he took that absolutely brilliantly. Well, um, rounded the keeper, slotted it in from a, from a tight angle went by the time he got around yeah. the keeper. Um, I think given that he probably thought he was offside, I think it's, it's even more impressive that he's managed to finish that properly rather than just sort of like, you know, take the foot off the gas and, you know, this is going to get ruled out. So who cares? Right. Um, I admit, it probably took till the second replay for me to actually think that it was onside. And then, as soon as you see that player on the other side of the pitch, and you just think, "Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, okay, hang on, <laughs> this this actually yeah. could stand." I think um,
2: everyone's worried about the one that was closest to it. Yeah, and trying yeah. to figure out, and then they put that far one back, and he went, "Oh no, no, no."
1: But well I, want to, I want to bring this – I want to actually want to bring this up, and this is something that I thought as soon as I saw that decision given in our favour, and I'm happy it was because it, it is the right decision, but does anybody remember the goal in the cup final and Man United had a player that was like basically should have been offside and we, we were kind of like playing them on because the defender was too deep, um, you know, and you've, you've kind of got this – you've always got this situation whereby like – if, it, if it's a defender that's too deep, suddenly, um, and it was, it was like, you know, long staff the other week as well. We've had goals ruled out from the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, an offensive player has been deemed to be offside, even though they're clearly miles away and not interfering with play. Yet a defender who is clearly unable to influence the game from that far away is still deemed to be um, playing someone onside. And I know, I know, this is like a, a, a four for West Ham argument here to say, well, this is hard done by, but it always bugs the crap out of me that mm-hmm. there's this two interpretations of the rule depending on whether it's the team going forward or the team defending, as to who's playing who on side, um, and it's it, again, it just bugs me that there's this lack of consistency in the ruling these days on the off on the offside rule.
0: Uh, the other thing I want to point out about that as well is the player that was onside was what maybe. 10 feet away from the linesman as well. So the fact that the linesman still flag for offside either tells me he was either well out of position or Joe Linton's pace just totally caught the linesman off guard yeah. and he had no idea where he was at any one point because there's yeah. no way with a player that close to you should be missing that type of offside. In my Maybe my was not too not close, many. mate.
1: Maybe the play was too close to him, and it was like affecting his judgment in terms of like who was there. Maybe he thought he was warming up on the sideline or something.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe wouldn't surprise me these Premier League refs in uh, Leytonstone because they've been shopping the season. There well. we go.
1: Keegan's praised them. We've torn them back down. <laughs> All
0: right, you can't give them one friggin' game, can you? Uh, you know they'll never have a, a brilliant game, never ever. But that's two up. But for whatever reason, we just didn't seem comfortable. We sat back. We absorbed a lot of pressure. West Ham came at us. Didn't really generate or create many chances, but they were getting some daft little free kicks in and around the box. One chance which fell to a pack guitar, uh on the edge of the box, which forced a good save from uh, Nick Pope. He pushed it out wide for a corner. Another I think from that build-up play, it actually went out for a corner on the other side in which... Uh, Bowen takes, hangs it uh to the back post Just out of Pope's reach And it's Kurt the cat kicker again Who pretty much I bullet know. headers Free header as well uh Into the back of the net And we're all thinking, shit, game on now Why didn't we put these to the sword? Your thoughts on that goal, Keegan And where was our defence in the build-up of that as well?
2: Yeah, I... Even before that, like it was a really weird game because we seem to just keep turning the the ball over, sort of in our half. But every time we got into their half, we looked like we were going to score. So it was a real, and I think like I think you said earlier, like the conditions definitely would have played a part in the the scrappiness and and trying to keep control of the ball and things like that. But yeah, it was really weird. We either look like we were going to score, or we look like we we're going to get scored against, and there wasn't much sort of in between. But with the goal, like, Botman. Just lost. He lost Zuma on the run. He got blocked once Zuma started the run. He got blocked by, I can't remember what uh, West Ham bloke it was, and then he couldn't catch up. But it was a great ball in. Like, um, you got to give credit to that for a great corner, and it was a good header. Like, he powered it. I don't know about you guys. Like, even oh, – this is going to sound stupid, but I love it when a header hits the back of the net. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, Wilson's hit the back of the net, and it just looked great. He's yeah. one hit that sort of the floor and then hit the net. Not so good. Still scored. I like, still get the same result. But personally, i just – visually, they look so much better when the header hits the back of the net. Like, it just – on the full, it looks good. But, yeah, I was worried. I was definitely worried because we weren't settled. Eddie Pope went down for a, a tactical injury like he, he does when shit needs to get done. And I think Eddie threw the kitchen sink at And I've never seen him like that on the touchline with the players. Yep. So – it's good he's got that piece of shit in him. Like some everyone thinks he's a real nice guy and get along with, but it's good to it's good to see that when he needs to crack the whip, he'll crack the whip. I reckon Mad Dog might have just sort of went, I thought this was my I think this was my area. <laughs> well, are you're getting in my 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 sort of sweet spot for, but good on him. Like they couldn't wait till half time. in they needed to be told yeah. then and there, mm-hmm. like, get your shit together. So I'm glad. See, I reckon.
1: I, I think that's why Eddie Howe gets more reaction because he is so calm and controlled, yeah, yeah, and mediated in his response all the time. So when he does fly off like he did then,
2: yeah, like oh, like the shit, players are
1: yeah. going, oh shit, okay, yeah, we, we've yeah. definitely crossed the line here because yeah. it's so out of character for him. So you know that you know if you get someone like you know Tuchel who was like constantly screaming and bawling on the line, and you think, well. Uh, it's <laughs> just him having another tantrum. Yeah, it loses its yeah. impact, doesn't it? It loses yeah. its impact, yeah. So, you know, Eddie's got that going for him at the moment where he is so calm normally and he's so controlled um, and very deliberate with what he says and how he says it. But when he loses his shit like that, the players have got to sit up and realise, like, yeah, yeah we, we we need to get our crap together. We need to get it all together here and really sort of push on because, you know, otherwise we're in for it when we get in the dressing room.
2: Yeah, I reckon the, the really good ones have got about two or three in them a year. Yeah. And they just got to pick and choose when they pull the trigger on them. And, yeah, I think, yeah, last night was a time because, like, the game was clearly not going the way that we wanted it to go. So we had to we had to pull the trigger on it last night. And, yeah, I reckon he would have doubled up for another serve at halftime as well. And, yeah, within a minute, he went, oh, shit, that's great. We're on. <laughs> it worked.
0: Um, so just a quick one on uh, there. Their first goal mark on their only goal, sorry. Could Nick Pope have done any better?
1: Well, apparently, according to David Moyes, we, we did well to equalize. So yes. um, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure how that one works when they were never, never in front. But anyway, we'll let him have that little moment of madness given all the rest of the crap that he had to deal with from his side. Um, I guess there's an argument where you could say Pope was impeded. Um, I think it's actually really good set piece work from West Ham. To be honest, yeah. I don't think they've I don't think they've fouled Nick Pope. They just got in his way, and he looked for a foul rather than just say, "Right, I'm getting to that ball no matter what." Um, same as Botman. I mean, like they've they've basically blocked Botman from from tracking his man, so his man was free and no one else picked it up. I actually think it was a really well worked set piece from West Ham. I don't think there's yeah. a foul in it. I think yeah, you you get picky and you think, "Oh, oh hang on, Pope." thinks he's no. fouled. Let's that that shouldn't be called. But you know, it was there was nothing in it. I think it was just really, really good play from West Ham.
2: I could I could actually see Mad Dog taking some notes on that because it worked a treat. And I can't remember who it was, but if you watch the replay on one on one of them, whoever Trippier's is marking actually goes forward and brings Trippier with him and opens up that sort of big pocket for Zuma to, to go into like it was yeah. it was a
0: great play. It was a great set play. Yeah, well, I'm not going to take anything away from the goal. And the header was uh, pinpoint accuracy, bullet header. You're not going to stop that, even if uh, no. you are getting closer, just like Pope was. So, half-time whistle goes, and it went at a great time for us, but probably not a good time for West Ham. Maybe another five minutes or so, and the scores could have looked a lot different. Could have gone in 2-2, but we did also have a chance going at 3-1. Where Wilson, he tried around, uh, around Flappy Hanski, but he got good hands to it, just pretty much as uh, the whistle was going. So, Half time goes. Eddie's in the changing room. Now, do you reckon Eddie's, because they're staying in the capital over a few days until uh, player Brentford, do you reckon he's threatened them to cancel their two hour of the London Dungeons or the London Eye just to get a, a performance out of them uh, in that second half? I mean, what do you think uh, the rocket up the arse would have been like, Egan? Oh, he's,
1: he's probably told them that he's going gonna to send them to the London Dungeons. <laughs> 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 you're, like, you're, you're going for a visit, but you're not coming out. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I reckon maybe instead of Big Ben, there might have been Big Burn or something like that. Like, yeah, Dan had to dress up like a clock and walk around London if he kept playing pissed like he was in the first half, which he didn't improve. So hopefully he does have to dress up like a clock and walk around London. But yeah, I reckon, I reckon he would have went in. A, oh, actually, maybe he wouldn't. Maybe that the in-game was the, was the rev up and then half-time was right this is how we're going to fix this up and this is what we need to do and a bit more instructional, I guess, a bit more calm and, and methodical matter like he normally does. But, yeah, whatever he said, and it didn't take long to, to work.
0: really didn't because I can imagine um, David Moyes, his team talk would have been more of the same lads. You know, the pressure's on them. We're still in this game. We've still got to fight. And then 22 seconds into the first half, their bubble is literally burst. Uh, from great pressure from Murphy, who slides in Uh, Wilson, makes it 3-1, and that literally just put the hammers to the sword, and that was effectively game over for me, I reckon, Mark?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think when when we looked back at it, I think we've said on our group chat today, I think that was something that just, deflated West Ham. I think you can see they've had this game plan from halftime. David Moyes has probably said, look, we're back in this. We put the pressure back on them. Let's get at them more of the same from the first half. And yeah, within 30 seconds, that they're, they're 3-1 down. Game's pretty much over. Um, any hope that they had of getting back into it was almost sort of squeezed out of the game um, by that stage and you could see everyone was just like really deflated and Moyes is sitting on the, the sideline with this face like thunder just going uh, what the hell just happened <laughs> um and it was just like but but fair play to murphy he's he's, he's done really well this is this is mm-hmm. what and and again it comes back to this thing for me where we get a lot of stick where oh you're really lucky oh you just caught, someone else has made a mistake it's like no those mistakes are because we're pressing the opposition we're forcing errors by not giving them time on the ball, and you're not giving time on the ball to players who are actually really low on confidence at the moment. And that's the thing. And it's like, as soon as he got the ball, and and Murphy was in his face, it was just like panic stations. Mm-hmm. What the hell do I do? And and Murphy's like taking the ball passing before he knows it, slides it straight across to Wilson, who was who's fair, fair played him. He's on the ball, um, and and mm-hmm. like you know, open net pretty much, and. You know, can't can't wish for a better start to the second half.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're going to bring this to you, Keegan, I'll get, get an answer on this one for you. So a, a lot of the, the pundits after match, they basically turn around saying uh, West Ham were victims of their own downfall. And pretty much reluctant to give us some credit for that goal because they were just lazy defending, schoolboy defending, whatever it would be. Do you think we deserve credit for that goal, purely for the persistence and intensity from the get-go from that whistle in the second half?
2: For sure. Like Mark said, like, if, if we just let him have the ball, then he turns around, faces up, plays the ball out and stuff like that, there's no error. The error, it wasn't an unforced error. The error of, was because of us and the pressure that we put on. And the, the whole idea of the press is, one, to get the ball back, but two, you get the ball back as close to your goal as you can. So when you turn the ball over, you've got, you're have got you going to have a lot of players who can make really attacking runs in a very short space of time. You don't have to hold the ball up and wait and, and see what happens. And we've scored numerous goals this year from pressing and, and high pressing and turning the ball over close to our goal in a really dangerous area. And that's just another example of it. Like, it's not a thing that's just happened. Like, this is a, a thing that we've done all season, probably summer last season as well. This season, even more once their fitness levels got to the standards that the coaching staff required to play this way. So you can you can point the finger at West Ham all you like, but the facts are: if we don't press them, that error doesn't happen.
0: Complete agree, one hundred percent. So yeah, credit where credit's due for uh, the Newcastle front three. There, they've done exactly what they needed to do. And again, they followed that game plan from Eddie from the moment that whistle went in that second half. Now there was a moment in that second half. I think it was on the. F- 55th minute not 100 percent sure where we play probably some of the most scintillating football we have all season there was a move put together which involved bruno it involved maxi uh, it involved murphy and the only thing that was missing was reluctantly murphy's ability to finish when that move was taking place mark were you literally thinking this is going to be one hell of a goal this is going to be team goal of the season And I was literally sat on the edge of my chair ready just to literally jump and punch the ceiling because that would have been absolutely sensational if that had I went in. And that just epitomizes how good we can be when we are free flowing attacking football, you agree?
1: Yeah, look, I think that was the the antithesis of this perceived time-wasting sort of bullshit that we're having to deal with at the moment Mm. where, you know, we actually play really good football. And I think a lot of the pundits pundits, and a lot of the, the other fans of other, other teams as well, um, and I even saw some Sunderland fans today um, on their forum that were, were saying, it's like, you know what, we've got to take our hat off to this. They're actually a really good team. They're playing some good football. Um, and I think it's starting to dawn on people that, you know, we're actually playing some really good stuff. We're defending really well. We're starting to get shit together going forward. And that move was a prime example. They they literally tore West Ham apart. The passing was sublime, and all it needed was Murphy just to kind of like put his laces through it. Now, I mean, we we talked about this on on the on the chat this mm-hmm. morning. Uh, I, I thought he took it well. I thought he actually. I mean, it was heading in, and I thought the keeper's pulled off a good save. Um, you look back on it, and I think you were right, Craig. Where it is. Body language and the way he was positioned kind of indicated where he was going to kick it, and the keepers made that reactionary save because of that. Um, where, yeah, if he just literally leathered the ball at the, past the keeper before he knows what's happened, um, and, and the, the move—literally, the only thing that was missing was a finish. Um, otherwise, it yeah. would have just been would have been sensational, possibly goal of the season. And miggy has yeah, got uh, most of that tied up already. <laughs>
0: That, that certainly would have been the team goal of the season, one hundred percent, no doubt about that. Uh, your thoughts on that passage of play and the build up uh, that one, Keegan?
2: Oh, I reckon it was really weird watching it. Like when that cross—I think it was Longstaff who played the first um, cross-field ball, that big long diagonal one—and then you sort of go, "Hang on a minute, we've got like it's like a three-on-one here. How is this? Like it kind of didn't look real at the start, and then it sort of evolved. And you're like, "Oh shit." We're going to score here. And then, unfortunately, what we spoke about, probably the last bloke you wanted to fall to was Big Joe, in that, that was Coley Scorwell. He's probably the second last bloke you wanted to fall to. I reckon Murphy's the last bloke you wanted to fall to. But credit for him to get in the position. He's just yeah. finishing, finishing's not his go. Yeah. But
1: at least he didn't hit the post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: If, there's a, if there's anyone who can just tidy that bit up, it's, it's yeah. our Eddie because he's fixed everything for everyone else. So he'll just uh, do a bit of training this week on his shooting. And I I hope he gets a goal soon because the way he's played and and what he's brought to the team this season, I don't think we've lost a game with him. So I'm probably wrong, but I thought I thought I read. No, we that. haven't. No, we haven't. <laughs> yeah. So he deserves he deserves something to show for his performances. So hopefully he can get his desserts in the next couple of games.
0: So 62 minutes gone, 62-63, we make a triple substitution, and one of those to go off was Maxi. Now, we went off about the hour mark uh, in the Man United game. Do you think this is how Eddie's getting the best out of a mock Man management not playing him for the full 90 minutes, so he's got the opportunity to burn through his batteries a lot quicker within that hour mark and just destroy teams over a shorter period of time?
1: I think he's had a lot of injuries and I think that's probably affected his top end fitness levels. And I think if that means that, you know, send him out for 60 minutes, try and get the most out of him for that, knowing that, look, give everything. And as soon as you're spent, look, we're going to take you off and, and we'll put someone else on with fresh legs. I think it's actually really good man management. I think he's getting game time while still making sure that you're not You're not kind of like running him, running him on empty, um, which which I think he has been uh, in in recent games. uh, Apart from the last couple, I think he's starting to get his fitness levels up. But he's also got a lot of competition in that that space at the moment for for the left wing, and um, it's it's one of those things where as long as he's getting some game time, I think he'll be happy. I don't think he'll be happy sitting on the bench. But if he can give those sorts of performances, whether he starts, whether he comes on for someone else. you know, if if all you need out of them is sixty minutes uh and you're rotating the squad, that's a perfect thing if they're happy to do that and give everything they can um going into next season if we do manage to secure European football. So we've got all those extra games that we're gonna to have to do squad rotation with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um so Maxi went off for Willick, uh Wilson went off for Isak, and Murphy went off for your friend Aaron Gordon, uh, Keegan. And now, Big Dog comes on. Bit of a quiet, uh, opening touch. I think he was playing a, a solo striker for uh, quite a bit as West Ham tried to uh, apply the pressure, although they didn't really get past the midfield. Bruno was uh, playing everything in there. He was pulling the strings left, right and centre with a lovely little pirouette around his uh, his best mate, Pakitar. And that, to me, was one of the moments of uh, the game when he left them flat on his arse. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> and... Look Murphy went off. Do you think Murphy's injured or do you reckon he was just absolutely running to the ground because he, he did look like he was struggling towards the end.
1: He looked he looked like he was carrying a knock um definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I think I, I think I pointed it out on the group chat um when we were watching mm-hmm. the game it's he he looks like he's 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 knackered um he's probably going to go off so look hopefully it's just a just a knock he's got a bit of a corky um but you know we'll we'll wait and see.
0: Yeah, these games coming thick and fast. You're only going to pick up one or two little knocks, Uh which is uh, pretty annoying. But thankfully, we do have that squad depth, as mentioned earlier on in uh, this pod. Now, we'll get to 82nd minute, and there's a long ball, I think it was, from Trippier. I think it was... I might be wrong on this one. I reckon it was Shaw. Shaw? We'll go with uh, Fabi Shaw? He just punted up the pitch. Uh looks like uh, we're just going to roll harmlessly through to, um, to Flappy Hanski. But he does his best uh, Hugo Lloris impression and absolutely balls it up. And then we've just got big dog Isak, chips it over the, the keeper, the players, whoever, rolls it in the net and stands there with his hands on his hips like another version of Ibrahimovic and Henri rolls into one. First of all, what did you make of that finish, Mark? And what did you also think of your celebration too?
1: I have to admit, I thought the the three ball was from Bruno. I thought he. All right. He, I think he, I th- I thought it was him that did both that and the the ball through for Joe Linton for the fifth. But um, I could be wrong. Um, I, I was half asleep at the time while I was watching it at that <laughs> stage, so I hadn't had my coffee yet. Uh, I can't believe how cool Isak was taking that ball. I mean, the keepers basically balls it up from nowhere. You expect the keeper to take it. He's come out of nowhere. So you just expect him to like launch it long, you know, head it out, chest it past someone. The touch was awful. And Isak's literally just chested it down, passed it into the back of the net and stood there with his hands on his hips, standing next to Fabianski, both of them like looking and the, (laughs) the, the, the pictures going around Twitter today have just been hilarious, but you know that's ice cold that is ice in the veins sort of stuff where to make that sort of reaction and then literally just stand there as cocky as anything and just say yeah (laughs) that's pretty good
0: there's one thing to be an arrogant footballer but then i have the arrogance to back it up with the quality finish like that as well keegan you reckon
2: yeah, I wouldn't say Isak's an arrogant footballer at all. No. He, this guy's a—he's a young kid who's twenty-three. Like the reality is, he's twenty-three years old, and nothing seems to faze him when he when he's on the pitch. Like he's amazing, and and I, I said this the other day in our group chat as well that we should be thanking Hugo Ekateka every day of the week for <laughs> for turning us down so we can go and get get Isak because man, he's a player, and and I know like. He was doing a bit of um, bit of dog work when he first came on playing up top by himself, just while we sort of managed that part of the game and, and just tried to take the sting out of it. But you know when his opportunity comes, more than likely he's gonna put it in. And it was a it was a hand delivered gift. Probably not no, it wasn't through his hands though, that was the only problem. It was a it was a quad delivered gift straight to him right in front of him. But the composure just a chest volley straight away. And then that, that photo, that's one of the, it's probably the photo of the year. Like mm-hmm. they're just both looking at it, like looking with their hands on their hips. Like he's going, Isaac's probably thinking, what have you done? And the goalkeepers, what have I done? Shit. shit what have I done here? <laughs> um, and then our um, the computer boffins in our group chat, they're um, super imposing of it in the Greg shop and, and things like that. If, um, if you haven't seen it, jump onto our Twitter and, and have a look at uh, the special cameos that I think Lee Lee might have done it this afternoon. It's um, it's it's hilarious. So <laughs> jump onto our socials and have a look at that because it's it's a ripper.
0: Yeah, it was, a, it was a crack and finish. Um, when I mentioned arrogance, but what I, I do like to think that all strikers have got a little bit of arrogance about them. I think they just have to be. Uh I don't mean arrogance isn't necessarily a bad way. I just think he just oozes class. It's a conf- It's, it's confidence, confidence. yeah. Yeah. But uh, he, and he, like I say, he just oozes it. And like I say, he's got ice running through his veins, as you said, Mark. He's going to be one hell of a player. And as Jamie Redknapp said, and to be honest, I wouldn't really take Jamie Redknapp's uh, words as gospel, but he's absolutely bang on when he says, we've got a world-class player already yeah. in Big Dog. He's like, like I say, he's only 23, nowhere near his prime yet. So bring on uh, the day when he does hit that, because defenders are going to be running shit scared from him.
1: And minutes well, per goal, the goal, goal, he's only behind Haaland at the moment, which is pretty impressive, yeah. given how, very how many intense. games he's missed.
0: Absolutely, I just about to bring on that, yeah. Um, that brings it to 4-1. That scoreline, would you say that flat that us, Geegan, at that point? Or was it justified?
2: No, nah, it was justified. Like, we smashed them after half-time. So, I think 2-1 might have... Oh, no. Nah, probably 2-1 was maybe just fair in the first half, but, man, they didn't fire a shot after half-time. That, that goal just took the wind right out of their sails and we, yeah, we deserved it. And mo- most fans would, would agree that that scoreline should have been on the weekend against Man United as well. Maybe not mm-hmm. with the one, but yeah. um, we had numerous chances just as good as what we had this in this game and we didn't take them. But we take our chances and, and this is what happened. And we have been speaking probably the last or maybe since the turn of the year, really, when our form hasn't been good. But the boffins were saying that the numbers the numbers suggested we were still playing okay. We just weren't converting and XG someone was going to cop it. Yeah, <laughs> XG Wankers <laughs> was saying we're all good, we're all good and and someone was going to cop it. And yeah, unfortunately for West Ham, they were the team that copped it.
0: So if 4-1 was justifiable, what does 5-1 make that mark? Because that finish from uh, Joe Linton on the 90th minute to wrap the game up, send the Jordy Faithful into Raptors once more, and I think they were still in the ground thirty minutes later. was someone was doing a live broadcast on West yeah, Ham TV, that, yeah. it was pretty much all you could hear. So <laughs> he even, you know, even commented it on fans. it as well. It's just like yeah. I'm still here, the
1: fans. It's like um, look. I think Joe Linton had an outstanding game. Uh, I think the finish for his second, that fifth goal. Um, I'm pretty sure that was a Bruno through ball for him. Um, yeah, picked him out perfectly. Um, he's kind of he stumbled on it. And this is I, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this in a minute because uh, I was thinking about all these these like um these these points that people can probably raise for for whether or not we deserved it. Um like he he's taken that ball, he's ran at defenders. Isak's coming up to give him some support, which I think dragged defenders back out the way so they couldn't close Joe Linton down completely. And he's just literally lashed it past the keeper. The keeper got a hand to it, but couldn't do much about it with the power on it. It's gone straight in the bottom corner, 5-1. Thanks for coming. Um, and, you know, that was just sort of party time on on Tyneside and party time in the stadium for the fans that had traveled down. There were like about 3,500 fans there. So yeah. um, midweek game, uh, yeah, look, hats off to them for that, especially given, given the amount of away games that we're going to have in, in quick succession. But... I was, I was having a think about this after the game, thinking, you know what? People are going to complain that, you know, we've, we've been handed goals off West Ham and they've made mistakes and, you know, and you kind of look at it and trying to, like, temper these expectations that we have as Newcastle fans. If you look at it, you know, you know, look, the, the last goal, Joe Linton kind of stumbles on the ball a little bit and, you know, on another day, that kind of ends up sort of, Bouncing off his ass and going off to a defender, and they clear it. Um, the Isak goal, you know, the keeper clears that and doesn't doesn't get it, um, and, and we don't get that goal. Um, our offside goal doesn't get given; it it k- keeps us offside. Um, so you're kind of looking at all these goals that you know look, we we've definitely had a rub of luck in this game, and I think it's no more than we deserve. Don't get me wrong; I think we we are long overdue a little bit of luck going our way for a change with some of these these like. Borderline um, things that happen in the games, but when you start thinking about, like, oh, maybe maybe it was a bit harsh on West Ham, you start looking at the other chances that we've had. And Bruno's curled a shot just wide. Murphy's hit it straight at the keeper. Maxi hit it straight uh, mm-hmm. right into the corner, and the keeper's pulled off a really good save from Maxi. Yeah. Um, you know, we we've had other chances that on another day those go in. So I don't think we can really sit here and think, you know, what West Ham's like. Done all right. They they haven't played as badly as the scoreline. They that we we were all over them, and we had plenty of chances. And as much as West Ham played really well in the first half, don't get me wrong. As soon as that third goal goes in, that was kind of game over. And I don't think they hadn't had a response for it um, after that.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely, and that pretty much brings the game. Where not much happened after the goal, even though it was about five minutes of uh, added on time, just literally killing the time, play at the corner and just running down the clock and hopefully no one pulls a hammy uh, as they've been running their arses off all day Is they've put in one hell of a shift of that game. So that brings uh, the final whistle, 5-1 away win. That is Newcastle's first ever time of scoring five goals in the Premier League this century. Uh, away from home, that is. Uh, last time we've done that was in 1998 against Coventry. Um, So that was one hell of a time to get that on there. And that was West Ham's heaviest home defeat in four years, I believe. Um, Now, quick question, simple yes and no, I'll get it from both of you. Will David Moyes be sacked after this? I'll come to you first, Keegan. No. Mark? No. I'm going to say yes because uh, a lot of the fans on the chat they want him gone now. Although a lot of them don't put that bl- the blame of the game on him, they just think it's time for him to go. Um, but yeah, we I, think tactics, I think his tactics. I think
1: his his substitutions were all over the shop. I don't know what he was trying. Um, that what he what he'd set out to do clearly wasn't working, and he's basically taken players off, brought players on, and made zero changes to how the team were playing um so from that point of view i think yeah there's question marks i think he's got nine lives um at whatever club he goes to i think we've we've seen it at west at, we've seen it at west ham now we've seen it at everton we've seen it at man united to a certain extent where he seems to go on these horrendous runs and just survives way longer than he probably deserves to at times um everton was a prime example and and i mentioned this right at the start where he used to have this this kind of like cycle at Everton where he would have this blinder of a season and they'd qualify for Europe and then the next season they'd be fighting relegation and they'd be like oh we need to get rid of him we need to get rid of him and he'd manage to survive through and the next season he'd be absolutely great again um, and then they'd be they'd be back up competing um I know he's said that you know they've they've maybe had too many new players and too many sort of player player cycles in and out of the club um, for his liking, which, which I understand and I get because it's one of the big things I hope we don't do. And I like the fact that we're building slowly because if you add too many players in too quickly, it can always, like seems to always upset the balance. But I just think Moyes lives a, lives a charmed life at times, um, even though, you know, everything points to him being sacked. I just don't think he will. I, I stand yeah. to be corrected. So.
0: We will see probably next 24 hours, as I'd imagine that would be a a rush decision. They're not going to sleep on that one over the weekend, I thought. Um, So let's get to the the full-time stats. Uh, Just going to get them up right now. So uh, we have, in terms of possession, 58% in our favour, 42 for West Ham. Uh, Shots, 15 for us, 7 for West Ham. 8 on target, 2 for West Ham. 6 corners for us, West Ham just edged that with 7. 12 fouls uh, for us and 11 for West Ham. Uh, the balance of that, Mark, does that look like a game that ended 5-1 to you looking at those stats on paper?
1: Not, not really. Um, I think what's probably indicates that a bit more is the comparison between the first half stats and the full-time stats because 90% of that from in favour of West Ham came from the first half. They did absolutely no contr- contributions to any of the goals, the shots, the tar- shots on target, all that. In the second half, they were pretty much anonymous.
0: Yeah. Your thoughts on those stats, Keegan? Yeah, no, I, I agree with what Mark said. Yeah, it's pretty self experiment So now we're going to get to the sexiest looking slide out of all of them, and that is the Premier League table. Look at uh, that! I part thought it was boy. going to
2: be your hair down again. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's next week
0: okay. uh, But yeah, look at that Newcastle United sat in third um, Keegan, if I had told tell you uh, when the f- when the first whistle went uh, for the game with we Nottingham Forest at the start of the season that 20 games in, we'd be 10 points clear of Liverpool you'd probably want to get me sedated and maybe uh, put to uh, sleep or whatever because you'd think I'd be a little bit bonkers, you reckon?
2: Yeah, I'd still want to sedate you now, even though you know <laughs> <but> <laughs> Don't use that as an excuse. But oh, for sure, I I thought um we'd, at the start of the year we'd finished seventh, so it was I think eleventh um, last year, but sort of pulled our way out of the shit by sort of the end of the season. But looking at the teams above us, is like more. I, I didn't think we were going to be this high but I thought we we would be better than Leicester and, and Wolves and and Brighton and stuff like that who finished above us last year. So I thought 7th was really achievable. Um but yeah, the the form and the way we've played you know, you don't get to third after 28 games by fluke. The, nope. There's enough results there to suggest that we are that we are the third best team in the Premier League right now.
0: Just to give you Some type of correspondence stats as to when we were kind of like in there, this position back in the 11-12 season. So 20 games in this year, uh, as you can all see on the screen there, we have 53 points. After 28 games in that 11-12 season, we only had 44 points. So we are nine points ahead of where we were at that stage. And in that season, we finished on 65 points. Based on our points per game, what we've got now, we are uh, predicted to get 72 points, which is what Arsenal have right now. Awesome points. Sorry? We can get the title. Winners. Yeah, let's (laughs) go the title. Let's go. Uh, Let's absolutely smash it. But that comparison between the being nine points ahead of where we were in that season for 11 and 12, because that was a cracking season we had. We were at one point. Highest position of third. We ultimately finished fifth. Just missed out the Spurs on the Champions League. So hopefully we can get a little bit of revenge on that one. And also goals as well. Again, I going to do a quick comparison between that season. So at the, game at the same stage, 28 games in, we had scored 40, conceded 41. So we were on a goal difference of minus one then. This season, which is absolutely batch it the game, uh, we have scored 46 and only conceded 20. We are on a goal difference of plus 26. We talked on this in the chat there this morning, Mark. That is absolutely bonkers for Newcastle United, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because we can't defend. And Eddie Howe apparently can't set up a defense either. So I didn't know how this was going to work. But you look at that table and it's just a thing of beauty. And we're sitting there with the third best goal difference in the league, Um, you know, we're, what, 21 goals ahead of Man United in terms of goal difference. Um, and if and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go harp on about this until the end of the season. But if you have a look at the Liverpool results and more importantly the Crystal Palace result, that was just an absolute travesty. We mm-hmm. should have more points on the board anyway. So, yeah. you know, we could be sitting clear in third with a bit more of a cushion to to Spurs anyway, had the Blatant referee bias had not not uh, screwed us over early in the season. So, yeah, look for for the amount of goals we're scoring, um, we're, we're doing all right in that compartment. I mean, not comparatively to Arsenal, and Man City, who are just romping away with goals scored. But best defense in the league. You can't can't just can't you just can't get past that. I love it.
0: Yeah, it, it it's not Newcastle United, but it is now. It, it sounds strange because again, we're so used to bad things happening to us, but. Good times are now and ahead, that's for sure. And again, I was going to get a simple yes or no answer from you both here. Will we finish in a Champions League spot? Keegan, you first? Uh,
2: yes. Mark?
1: I don't want to answer that. I don't want to jinx us. <laughs> don't be a pussy, Mark. <laughs> yes, I think we will.
0: Uh, we'll make I apologise in advance to anyway. every fan
1: out there if we don't
0: now <laughs> they made <laughs> yeah, me do if it we don't, it's Mark's fault by the way it's, yeah. not, it's yours, you uh, pressured me
2: into it, it's peer, peer pressure. pressure peer pressure is a wonderful thing
0: his Twitter handle is on screen now so if we don't qualify for the Champions League just hurl abuse at him <laughs> He's, yes, it's all on him uh, um, but that wraps up that game but uh, just before we do a quick uh, re- a preview of the Brentford game I'll just get both your man of the match and I'll come to you first Mark
1: it's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go for Joe Linton. I think he had an absolutely outstanding game, um, but it could go to any one of the players that played there today, maybe apart from Dan Byrne. Uh, You know, they they just, every single one of those players just, just played their heart out for that team. Two games in a row now where they've just left everything on the pitch. And it's great to see. Um, probably the man of the match deserves to go to Eddie Howe because of his bollocking in the first half that really turned around the game. But, yeah, I'll go for Joe Linton. I'll go for Joe.
0: I'll go for Big Joe. Yours, Keegan?
2: I thought it was pretty obvious. I thought uh, Flappy Hanski was our best player. <laughs> so I'll give him, that, give him the three votes. But uh, um, I, thought, I actually thought Callum Wilson. Like, I know he only played um, just over an hour. But the, he was back to Callum Wilson that we all sort of know. He's, his control and the way he was holding the ball up, like bringing people in the – into the game as well, tricky conditions like with ball skidding and all over the place and stuff like that, really hard to control. But I thought his um his game was outstanding, and he looks he looks back to his best after that little um, recharge that he had in Qatar, I think they went or Dubai, wherever they went. Um, but like Bruno was Bruno was immense as well. Um, I know that there was sort of talk that uh, the packet of chips was meant to be man marking him, but I reckon he sort of took offense to that. And I don't reckon he really wanted to. I think he might have thought, I'm not look, like, I'm better than him. Why why do I have to mark him out of the game? And well, as a result, it it sort of cost his team a lot, didn't he? Because <laughs> Bruno was bloody unreal as well.
0: Yeah, he was sensational in the midfield, made Declan Rice look like an amateur. Uh my man of the match, I'm gonna go for big Joe as well. Uh, I think he his all round game. Bob, maybe a stupid yellow card he got. Everything else was absolutely Standard. perfect. What he done. So it's yeah. not Joe Linton
1: if he doesn't get a yellow card. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, that's the yeah. package, yeah, mate. That's what you get. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's his twelfth yellow card of the season, and we're all worried Anthony Gordon picks up too many. But, you know, um, but yeah, uh, that's two votes for Big Joe, and you went for Callum Wilson. So hopefully we can uh, do the same type of performance back in the capital on Saturday. Where we face Brentford, uh, third away game, second away game yeah, out of the 10th. three. Yeah, because we have Villa next week. Um, So, yeah, Brentford away. They're having a pretty decent season, Mark. Uh, they are currently sat seventh in the table, I believe. It is. Let me bring back maybe ninth even. Let me just bring that back up. Yeah, that sat ninth. Now, goals-wise, they've scored exactly the same amount as us, 46, but they've conceded nearly twice the amount at 38. And as much as we like to think we're the draw specialist of the league, they've actually uh drew yeah. more games as well 13 as opposed to our 11. How do you see this game panning out, and where do you see the the danger men for either sides?
1: Well, I think there's only one, there's one major danger man, and he shouldn't really be playing given. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's kind of like are they, they going to win? It's all going to depend on whether or not uh he's got a bet on himself or not, isn't it, really? <laughs> um. Look, I think they've got some decent players, but I think they're a very well-drilled unit. And I think they actually, it's just getting that that striker who's capable of scoring anytime. time. And you see it with Kane with Spurs. If, if Kane wasn't playing for Spurs, they'd be much, much lower down the league. Um, you know, same with Man United. I mean, they've been so reliant on Rashford. And we haven't really had that. So the fact that Brentford do have, um, they, they've got a player who is is just, totally capable of scoring like at will, it seems at the moment, Um, you know, Tony, Tony's, Tony's a bit of a weird one where I think I remember I, I did a, I did a podcast last season with um, one of the ex Brentford players, and that was a really good insight. And, w- and we discussed then his his stupidity on Instagram or whatever it was where, you know, he, he was he was interviewed and he was like F Brentford on, online because he was trying to impress a girl. And he's thinking like, yeah, just don't do that, mate. Like, seriously, like, pull your head in. Like, you're playing for that club. You know, there's no need for that. And he doesn't seem to really – he seems to be – I don't want to say he's as bad as Niall Ranger because I don't think anyone can be, but he's <laughs> – he's got that chip on his shoulder and maybe a little bit too much too soon, but he never really made it with us and we've sold him on and fair play to him. He's, he's, he's done super well for himself and I'm, I'm pleased for him, but he seems to have a bit of, he seems to have that arrogance. I think where we're talking about Isak, I think it's more just this, this over-exuberant confidence in himself and his ability and, and mm-hmm. his his ability to score where I definitely think Ivan Tony has that arrogance. Um, He's the main danger man for me. I think we need to be really careful with him.
0: And your thoughts on that one, Keegan?
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think if we can sort of keep him quiet, that'll go a long way to to getting another three points and and keeping us sort of where we are.
0: And I will be letting everybody know that I am not making a stupid bet for this Brentford game. Uh, Mm -hmm. For anybody who Mm -hmm. watched the channel back in, I think it was October or just before the World Cup, um, I had a, a few too many of these, and I let everyone know that if uh, we score five past Brentford, I would dye my hair like Bruno and Big Joe. Turned out to be the greatest uh, hair dye in the history of hair dyes because I looked a spitting double of Bruno. Uh, it was more yellowy orange than the Trump. sun, To be honest, it was it was terrible. It um, was full yeah, Trump. I, done it. I followed through my bet, and that will not be happening again. No matter how many beers I have this Easter weekend um so yeah uh hopefully we can get a good win we've certainly got the confidence behind us they may be lacking a little bit of confidence so they just got beat off man united uh this morning they kicked off the same time as what we did uh so again level on points but we are ahead on significant uh significantly better goal difference brentford sat in ninth they've still got a push for europe so they've still got something to play for it's not like they're just playing for a mid-table mediocrity so who knows what we're going to get from them Big Joe does like a good goal against uh, Brentford. He's got three and three appearances for them. So he he should be full of confidence after his performance and two goals today as well. And I can see this one being a, a very open game, which is only going to play into our hands. And I reckon we are going to get that fifth win on the bounce. I'm not going to say it's going to be as uh, open as what this game against West Ham was. I reckon it could be a a much tighter affair, but I think we will do it just purely on our defence alone. And our strikers are shit hot right now. Uh, I'm going to predict my score, then I will get yours too, and then we will wrap this up. So I'm going to go 2-0 Newcastle. And Keegan, I'll come to you first for your score prediction.
2: Uh Given my incredible run of form lately, I'm going to pick a 1-1 draw again because every time I say we're going to draw, we're going to win. So you can all thank me. I'll take a 1-1 draw and we'll collect the three points. Mock?
1: I'm going to go for a 2-0. Two-nil.
2: Two-nil hopefully, well?
1: we'll, hopefully we'll have enough. Hopefully we'll have enough to get yep. past
0: them. Uh, it's not going to be easy, pick but picks. we said that about
1: West Ham as well. so.
0: Uh, big fixtures this weekend, one to look out for as well, which uh, could dramatically affect uh, our push for Champions League, is Spurs are at home to Brighton. So we're all going to be Brighton fans for that one, I'd imagine. Um, Spurs lose that way we win. We've got that gap and still got the game in hand and still play Spurs. So some big fixtures. Obviously ours is the main one. So come on, Eddie and the lads. Let's make it an- another three points against another London team. Let's go down. There, I think the staying down there. Stay down there. Go to London Dungeons. Go on the Big Wheel. Uh, you know, go see Buckland Palace. Ask uh, King Philip if he can come for uh, some jam and scones or whatever, and show who the real king is. Because we've got King Eddie, and he's better than King Charles all day. Um, but that's going to do it for today. <laughs> I'm just going to say thanks to Keegan, thanks to Mark for joining me. It is now nearly 10 p.m. at night here. Uh, We are absolutely exhausted. We've been up since 2 o'clock in the morning. We are all going to go to bed. um, But I think we'll watch the highlights once more before we do. So, yeah, lads?
1: Yeah, most likely.
0: Absolutely. So, cheers, lads. And I will see you all on the next one. And that will be the Brentford uh, review, which will probably be out Saturday, Sunday morning for everyone, I would have thought, uh, for when it's going to be for us, uh, Sunday night. I don't know. It's all confusing right now. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out for that. Out. <laughs> uh, ding that notification bell on the YouTube channel. Be notified for when we do post a new video. And again, please like, comment and subscribe and follow us all on all of our social channels. That is YouTube, Facebook and we are on Instagram too. Uh, get all on them and we will follow you back if you follow our personal ones, which you can see on thanks screen to too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, again, thanks guys for coming on. I will see you all in the next one. Have a good one.
2: Take, Take it it easy, boys. Lads. Happy Easter,
1: everyone. Happy Easter.
0: Cheers, lads. Bye.